Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. And then we, we have to 
approve that business plan. Trust me, people got so pissed because they kept on coming because our requirement that was that that business plan, you should be able to get 3,000 shillings every day from that business. And so we kept on sending them back and forth, back and forth. Others were so annoyed, but because they wanted that 10,000 from us, they had to come up with something. And it was great. With teenagers, you almost have to force them to do everything. Um, a lot of these young people are coming in with not a lot of structure in their lives. They work when they feel like it, they get money when they feel like it. On days that they don't feel like it, they stay home, they sleep, they wander around. So we need to instill like a, a productive mindset in them. We need to teach them how to run a small business of their own before we graduate them and have them spend for themselves. And so through this program, while running their own small business, it's a way of teaching them under our covering the ins and outs of running a business before they're on their own, running their own business from their, from their schools. So when I look at that, my heart is full. It is like it is worth it. What we're doing is worth it, and I could not trade it for anything in the world. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for all the work you do. Indeed, Mukono shall become the city of our God. I don't know if when I sit I will be seen, but faith, thank you so much. See the people who know me very well know what to do. All right. <laughs> Emma, you're in trouble. <laughs> I'd like you to welcome with me two incredible gentlemen that I will be having the pleasure of interviewing this. Is it still morning? I'm on TV. Hi to my fans. Um, so welcome with me, Pastor Noel Manifor, the Nigerian Mon. And please welcome with me, Pastor Milton Jumba. Yeah. Yes, our interview today is going to be centered around discipleship or what you would call leadership development and empowering as a tool for multiplication, both in church and in the business world. So I'll start by allowing these gentlemen to introduce themselves to you. Okay, my name is um, Noel Manufo. I am the lead pastor of Covenant Light Church in Lagos, Nigeria. Wow, I do answer to the name Milton Jumba, Jumba like a big house. Um, yep, in this season of my life, I serve as the lead pastor of uh, Mavuno Church, Mashariki Campus, and also double up. Those ones, I paid them. Uh, I also double up as an executive pastor of Mavuno in charge of City Impact. Yeah. I like that introduction. I do answer to the name. Are there names you do not answer to, Pastor Milton? Like if you called me B3, I won't answer. No, you shouldn't. Um, so what I'll start with, how many of you like stories? Yeah, let's start with some stories. 
I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Milton to tell us about your story of how you came into leadership of the church and then the multiplication factor, how it came about. Um, just go ahead and tell the story. Why? Are you guys ready to stay here till the evening? I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'll try to make it brief. Um, in 2015, uh, we traveled with uh, Pastor M to the U.S., and uh, it's very interesting. By the time we were getting from there, uh, he had told us we will live with a new name. That all of us will live with a new name. <laughs> and the name he told me I'm living the U.S. with, he felt, was a father. I don't know whether if he even remembers it. And I think for me that was probably a turning point. So uh, next year, that is 2016, he sent me to... Uh, go and just be a holding pastor uh, of Mashariki campus because the lead pastor was going on sabbatical and uh, he uh, just asked me to go there for the four months as this pastor you guys takes, see where this is going takes, takes uh, his sabbatical by the way I went kicking because it felt like your dad taking you to a bad school um, yeah Hill City Campus was a marvelous space, developed, everything was going on right. Mashariki had just moved to a new location, and you know what it means to move to a new location. It's I do. done, as in the things, in fact, even grass is like this long. Uh, yeah, the place was just looking, sorry, Mashariki, it's, then it was really looking bad. And I was like, why is this man sending me there? And uh, I think after uh, a, a little prayer, uh, I was confident to go and uh, uh, start, start some work. And I think for me, the big things were, I'm there as a temporary staff, four months. I need to help the pastor who's gone on sabbatical because of a burnout to be able to come back and find a better campus. So I really worked on the environment, by the way, really, really. These guys would tell you. The place just was spruced up within four months. It looked like a different space. The second thing was to build leaders. Just get a few people who could help the man preach when he comes back and also provide care for uh, his people uh, when he comes. So I recruited some four, uh, five leaders and started working with them uh, and equipping them. Then uh, uh, three months became four, four became five. Five, at five months, I was being told, you know, you need to start considering being the lead pastor there. Uh, so the exit plan was no longer there. And <laughs> then I was commissioned to be the pastor of that space. And uh, three years later now, this month, uh, we are planting four churches by non-professional uh, pastors. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we have stories of amazing people within the congregation who are doing big things. I believe we'll talk about them as we continue. Yes, we will. Did you say you're planting four churches in one month? Yes, starting right. this month. We were supposed to have planted them in August last, last month, but because of the many things we were doing as Movno, we just bumped it up by a month. So we are launching out four congregations. I know it's silly, crazy, foolish, but uh, 
No, yeah. it's great. It's not crazy. It's great. Isn't that an incredible thing? And, and we're going to get into a little bit of how did we come from kicking and screaming um, and then in, into we are able to plant four churches within one month. I think that's the question for us. How do we multiply influence? So I'll turn over to the man from Nigeria to also tell us just snapshots of your story. Um, yes, from, from mega to multiply. Okay, um, I got born again at the age of 12, many years ago, and um, I've always pursued after God. It was always my dream, and um, so back, so I, I want to start from my own discipleship into, um, since we're talking about discipleship, so, uh, but when I got into university was when there was an intentionality about discipling me, and um, the person I consider my pastor now was very instrumental in that. So when I finished I started pastoring the church. Uh, when I finished school, started pastoring the church that he founded. He moved to the United States, so I took over the Nigerian church. Um, when we started, it was about, um, I took over about 150 people. Um, I pastored it for about 10 years, and um, we grew from 150 to about 3,000 um, people. And then, um, but I was, I was a little uncomfortable not a little, a lot uncomfortable because when we were 150, um, the ratio of people being discipled to the total number of people we had was very close. You had maybe 80% of people who were reflecting the vision. Um, but then when we were 3,000, maybe five to 700 people were reflecting the vision and you had these 2,000 plus people who would do things. One day I stood outside the church watching people come in and I just, just wanted to observe the people. When you're at the pulpit, you don't... And I was watching conversations and talk and the way people acted and it was just... I was, I was uncomfortable. How do we go ahead and disciple people? Because Jesus said, the works I do shall you do and greater works. And you ask yourself, what did Jesus really do? What he really did was disciple. That was the work. Every other thing, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, was to get people, he said, without, if you don't see signs and wonders, you will not believe. It was to get people into that space. And what did he ask us to go do? He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Interestingly, when he was leaving, Jesus said, Lord of the, John 17, of the people you have given me, I have lost none. Saved the son of perdition. And you know he had people like uh, the, the crowd that gathered. After, you know, he fed 5,000 people. He had the 120. But he didn't consider them the people that was given him. He considered the 12 that he raised as the people that were given him. Because if he was saying, if he was talking about the 5,000, they left at one point. You know. Um, and so sometimes we don't realize that the, the people that continue, who that we are able to disciple are the ones really that we have received. So how do we do that? So um, I pulled, I, I, by God's leading and instruction and with the permission of my pastor, we went to start another congregation called Covenant Light Church that I now lead. And from the get-go, we were, in order to achieve that discipleship, we wanted to, we decided to be a church planting, um, multiplying church rather than a mega church. Um, we have plans to be big and all that, but in many locations and have a lot of leaders and pastors engaged in discipling people. 
So we began, we didn't do so well at the beginning. We didn't know the principles or the, what it takes to be a church planter. We still trying to practice mega church principles in a multiplying church setting. Um, so we failed woefully for the first five years. We had to recall a lot of the churches we planted, about four or five churches. We had to recall them. But then um, I came in contact with New Thing, uh, a training organization for, they call it Catalyst of Movements of multiplying churches or reproducing churches. So we had some trainings with them. And then um, last year, December, we started planting churches again. And uh, between that December and this last August, we had planted about 12 churches. And we are now about 14 churches in all. Whoa. So what I'm hearing from both of you is that there are definitely must be some things that you did differently. Uh, from being able to lead one congregation and now being able to release leaders to lead other congregations. So what I'd like to hear is if you could share some things that you have practiced to be able to release four churches in one month differently from the norm. Well, um, it's interesting. Newell and I seem to be having some language commonalities. Uh, one of the first things that hit me was uh, um, I'm a catalyst leader. As in, uh, my role uh, as a father is to catalyze people and just send them out to fulfill what God intended for them. I realize that a lot of times as pastors, we invite people to fulfill our mission. And we give them tasks to fulfill that mission. And I realized it would be different if I actually called out their gifts, God's graces, their talents, their abilities, whatever God has deposited in them. And when I'm able to do that, then I can unleash them into the world. So what I did with the first group of people was to draw them near me uh, and just start a personal journey. In fact, uh, I think most of them feel they were duped because we started a personal journey. If your issue was finances, we walked finances with you. If your issues was, was your marriage, we walked marriage with you. And then at some point, once these guys had gotten my trust, then I put them together and said, I'm dreaming that we can do some things. You can be the core team of discipleship in this space. Could you give me uh, time to walk together with you? And then uh, at some point, I then invited their spouses for those who are married. Uh, now we met uh, separately with the individuals. We met together as a book reading club and read specific books, which in my mind I felt would call out certain things in their hearts without me telling them. But as we talk about it, God would speak to them. And uh, then meeting with their spouses once a month, uh, over lunch and playing games and doing stuff, uh, we, we built a certain uh, culture within ourselves. Then days turned into months and uh, I thought we would plant one church and at some point I thought, no, this thing feels like we could do four. So that's how I invited the guys. So we huddled, we read books, we prayed, we, we uh, just built uh, friendships that were meaningful. By the time we were asking the guys yeah, to plant, uh, it's funny, all of them, God has spoken to them in their own different ways uh, by then. Uh, and, and then also there are now other categories of people that have pulled 
there are DJs and hype men that I'm also working with, uh, seeking to launch them out as the next level uh, of, of worship leaders. I know this sounds crazy. Uh, um, then there are younger kids uh, aged between 10 and, uh, and 12 that I'm beginning to work with. Uh, one of a 12-year-old actually held a 15-minute sermon in church, uh, in the adults' church, not the children's church. They preach in the children's church almost every Sunday. Uh, just to, in order to ensure that the next generation uh, uh, of leaders is being developed. Wow. So what I'm hearing from what you've said is intentionality. There's been a lot of intentionality. Relationship building for you uh, seems to be one of the biggest things about being able to empower leaders and release them. And then to give them information, training, skilling, and then giving them trust, which is the, 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 the sort of the thing that's Exactly. And one of the biggest things was to allow them to do what pastors were supposed to do. I know uh, uh, I've allowed them to preach. I think uh, I preach once after every two months. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just releasing uh, positions of authority and responsibility uh, to these guys. Uh, having a space of high accountability, but very low control. Uh, yeah. Wow. High accountability, very low control. So I think, just picking up from what he said, I think all of us generally like the idea of multiplication. It's great, but sometimes there's a hindrance on trusting people. Um, how do you empower, how do you overcome the fear? Because many leaders, we struggle generally with control. It, it, I think it comes with the territory, that you want things to be perfect, and you want, and so because of that, it's, you sort of want an already made product. You want to look for the person who is already perfect at it, so that by the time you give it to them, it's just as good. How do you overcome that issue of control and then be able, and also how do you even choose these leaders? Um, okay. Interestingly, I had a very funny experience. The, when I said we started planning churches and we had to recall them, it was along these lines. Um, one of the churches we planted, the pastor sent me a text um, Sunday morning after the service and told me that um, he has decided to move on with the church and um, it's no longer a covenant light church. Uh, Pastor Noel, wait, what, what have you just said? <laughs> when you say he decided to move on with the church. Yes, yeah, that he's, he's literally um, told the members to meet him somewhere else. <laughs> the runaway church. You know, and, um, and I was going up to... Breakout. Yeah, it was a... It was a it was a breakout for him, a breakdown for me. <laughs> you know, um, so I did have struggles with issues of trust. Um, and uh, so it, for me, it's a real thing. It's not just theoretical. Um, how do I, how do I, how was I able to deal with that and what can be done about that? I think, I think three or four things. Um, one, looking back now, um, vision. The people you are sending need to catch the vision that you carry and you have. Very vital. Because when you are in one location, 
you can be the single visioner and once you, are, once you are feared and respected, you can drive things. When you're sending people, you can't control like you used to. Yeah. And so they have to know not just the what, but the why. And so that's critical. The second thing is what I, uh, what in new thing they call relational rhythms. Um, when we are together in one location, um, we bump to, into each other regularly. So I didn't have to have... Um, intentional relational rhythms. Mm. I didn't have to meet with them on a specific um, pattern. I see you on Thursday. I see you, you know. Um, so I, I had to start doing that when we started planting churches since last year. Um, so my Thursdays and Fridays, I do nothing else as a pastor. Interestingly, before now, I didn't think of my role as relating I saw it as more administrative and stuff. But two days out of my um, five working days, from morning till evening, it's relational rhythm. Five to six o'clock, I mean, uh, eight to nine is this pastor. Nine to ten is this pastor. And then we talk about the things, what's going on in their lives. Like he was saying, um, we deal with the issues. So there is trust. Trust is built in that. You are not, they no longer feel used. They feel useful. And they are just two different things. So they are doing a lot of stuff. They are working. But because it's not just you making them do stuff um, and celebrating them and uh, a lot of that. The third thing I would say is also intentional discipleship. And, you know, so um, taking people out, telling them what you see in them. We changed the name from disciples or discipleship to apprenticeship and internship because discipleship is forever yes when we call you an intern you know you have a duration mm. if we call you an apprentice you know you have a duration mm. so you know so and you know exactly what we're apprenticing you towards and the, when it's gonna end so a lot of those things that we learned we are trying to we are putting in place and um, it has helped a great deal in so there's a lot of trust like you said, not much control. In fact, we are releasing more and more control to them, make decisions. Um, we're treating them like a network. So we meet, have a meeting once a month and we ask what they want to do. We set goals and we agree on them and all of that. So, wow. hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so what I hear from you, Pastor Noel, is first of all, you're saying we must multiply vision. The why must be clear. For the people, because then when the why is clear, trust is easier because you know exactly. that what they are taking on is what was in your heart. Very, so to multiply true. vision. Yeah. Uh, I also hear relational rhythms and predictable patterns that the leader who wants to multiply must move from being just the worker to the coach. Exactly. So you're now becoming very intentional about that. And then lastly, I think I've heard about intentionality in discipleship, that it must, the journey must be clear. There must be an end in sight, that you don't just keep discipling people with no clear end in sight, although some people were tricked into these <laughs> spaces, but, but that there must be a clear end in sight for the people that we are, we, we are looking at as potential leaders. It must be clear to them that at the end of this period... What you want them to become, that's where you're taking them to, and how long it will take, and then what is required of them to meet that goal. Wow, that's a lot of wisdom, again, right there. Um, so... I'm very curious, has this journey been lots of fun all the way? Have you had any challenges um, 
on the journey of multiplication? And if any, what have been some of the challenges that you've faced? Wow. <laughs> I feel like the whole journey has been challenges all through. Mm -hmm. um, I think there have been many challenges. I think uh, the, the first one is uh, uh, when, when I got to this congregation, uh, the expectation was... Uh, probably to be like the pastor who'd been there. This is the most amazing care pastor I have ever seen. Been in the lives of the people fully. Been in spaces where even a child, 12 years old, by the time this man was living, a 12-year-old would say, thank you for being at all my birthdays. Now, that is not me. <laughs> for me, it's like, uh, let me get just a few and pour into a few. So the first challenge I had was uh, when people are comparing you to someone else and you feel your goal, your purpose in that space is a little different. Uh, the person planted, they watered. Now it's for me to probably launch out and deploy these people uh, who he's been growing. Uh, there was a lot of pushback uh, because uh, I wasn't providing the kind of care to everybody else who uh, needed it had chosen just a select few, not the multitude. Mm -hmm. The second challenge was uh, my own staff that I was leading. Uh, at some point, it became uncomfortable because you are planning to deploy non-professionals to do the work that pastors do. So what is the lot of the pastors? So I had a lot of pushback from the very team I was working with to launch out these people. Then the third one was just that space where, did you hear God? As in, okay, why, why, we are a small church. We don't have the mass or the resources. Uh, why are we planting four churches, not one? Uh, what are you thinking? Where will the resources come from? Then the final one is just something that has happened the past month, where because I was thinking we could do uh, a different expression of church, uh, we experimented with DJ-led worship. Oh. You see, with DJ-led worship, you don't need drums, you don't need a drummer, you don't need a keyboard and a keyboardist, you don't need a, a guitar and a guitarist. Uh, this is cheap, by the way. Get a venue, get a DJ or a VJ, and we are ready to go. <laughs> oh my goodness, people left the church. <laughs> Half the congregation left. They're like, what is this demonic thing that, that you are bringing in church? Uh, uh, yeah, so th those are some of the challenges that uh, uh, I've actually faced. And, and, and you see, for a, for a 50-year-old like me... <laughs> Yeah, it's true, I'm 50. I'm, I'm like, if, if I look at life, uh, the, 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 the bands, the live bands uh, are not the in thing anymore. Um, if I look at videos by Beyonce, by Kanye West, they don't look like what Michael Jackson's were. So something has shifted. And I'm like, if we can't speak the language of the next generation, then uh, we, are, we are doomed to fail. Mm. And the people we are going for are the ones who are listening to the DJs and watching the VJs. So it was very interesting to find the congregation just walk out and you guys drop their children and go to the next church and then pick <laughs> their children after the service. Yeah. So how did you deal with that? Because you had to keep going. Um, uh, one is, uh, this may really sound 
brutal is that I felt if I'll be defined by people, then I won't do what God has called me to do. And I felt like uh, if, if, if God would allow me to get a few, those few God will be able to do with them as he may be able to do with the many. So I focused on the few. Uh, the other thing was just to try and build a camaraderie of, of guys. So like this past week, after people had walked out on me, uh, we, we decided to make some t-shirts uh, uh, and give them out to the congregation. Is there a masharika to t-shirt to stand wherever you are? Uh, there where? They're upstairs. Yeah, they're upstairs. So we made some t-shirts, made some flags. We had a big one service as Mavuno. So we, we went into that space with pomp. It's very funny. People who had left me, uh, left their homes in the morning to just come because of the videos that were being sent out. Some after Pastor Moredi, some on that day came to apologize. Oh, Pasi, we didn't see where you were going. Uh, now we see. Uh, now we are with you. Uh, yeah, so uh, some of it is coming back. I, I don't know. But the thing is, uh, one thing I know, we are planting the churches. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So as the leader, you have, to, you have to carry the vision regardless and know that you have to carry it. And as you carry it, you'll attract some who will run with you. Pastor, Pastor Noel, um, I've heard a little bit about the model that you use for church planting, that, has, that you've been able to plant 12 churches in like eight months. My question is, I'd like to hear a little bit about that, but also in terms of resources. Because sometimes what stops us from multiplying as leaders is we think of the resources and we stop right there. We think of what it's going to take, what would it take. So we're probably imagining you must have, I don't know, some resources somewhere to be able to plant 12 churches in eight months. Like, what's your trick? Okay, for the 12 churches, we didn't give them a dime. We didn't spend... A dime on any of them. Did you guys hear that? From the parent church. <laughs> so, um, I so knew... are, you, are your church planters millionaires then? No, they are not. Um, they, they, they are. Uh, it's manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> so but, um, so we, we started thinking about that. There were two things we did. One was to come up with a pattern um, that allowed the churches to self-resource. Um, the second was to also, towards the time they will be released, we normally release them at the same time, we release six at once then. Um, so we have like a church planting season, a, a month that each church is supposed to release a church. Mm -hmm. So you prepare towards that. So um, towards that time, we try to, is it temper? Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff. So like what he did, so we didn't, we stopped using instruments for like two, three Sundays leading to that time, we played music from the speakers, worship from the speakers, and I came in and I prayed God to make it a powerful service. <laughs> and, um, and we had miracles, we had people healed, we had a lot of things happen, and I, and I taught them, I showed them, I said, look, these things are a plus. They are not what makes for a church service. And so when you go, if you don't find these things, you can have a great service. And you can grow and get all of this. So we did that, and the, but the, the model you're talking about is what we call the one, four, 
12, 40, and 120. Mm -hmm. Please tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so the, the, the idea is, if, for instance, we're sending someone to a place where we don't have a, um, people coming from there at all, we just send that one person. And we tell him to go there, and we consider it a church. So he goes there. We don't yet record it as a church, but we treat it as a church. So we don't number it among the churches, but we treat it as a church. Because if you look at when you plant trees, you plant a seed, but you end up saying we planted a tree. Mm -hmm. But if somebody looks at what you planted, they don't see a tree. Mm -hmm. But you don't say, I didn't plant a tree. Say, I planted a tree. So when you plant a tree, it doesn't look like a tree when it's planted. Mm -hmm. So you can plant a church that doesn't look like a church when it is planted. So we, we send th that one person, and the idea is for him to start witnessing and sharing the gospel to new people, the unchurched and the unsaved. Those are the two categories we go for. And to get those people, so if he gets about 12 of them um, saved, so he goes maybe every week, he get witnesses to about four people. And so um, after a period of time, he gets about 12 people, usually saved, 12 people saved, usually about four or three will be willing to plant a church with you. The principle is just about 25%. Remember Jesus Christ talked about the parable of the, the sower mm -hmm. who sowed the seed? Out of four, one cut. You know, one produced fruit. So I usually use the uh, 25%. You know, and that also, if it's more than that, it's a plus. But it helps the person planting to have um, a reasonable expectation. Not everyone that you encounter will come with you. So he gets 12 saved, and about three joins with him, and that's about four people, and they launch a church. And each of those four invites about 10 to 12 people each. So in the very first church meeting, that is an actual meeting, they usually will have about uh, 48 to 60 people from those four people. We do a lot of teaching about invitations, about um, if it's your wedding, how many people would you have invited, Nobody invites two people to a wedding. <laughs> you know, you invite 40 people, 100 people. So we tell them, invite 40 people. Go through your phone and look at the contacts. Who have you not spoken to in a while? Reconnect with them. Invite them to the place. And um, so we usually, so we, have, we can have a church, of, um, a church plant group of four, five, or 12, having attendance of 100, 120 in their first service. Do the 25% principle again, you come down to about... So the 40-something people becomes 12. And they do a lot of training. So we have a, a grow month. So they do a lot of discipling over a three-month period, focused on discipleship, no invitation. So we don't try to grow per Sunday, per Sunday. Just invite people. So we are adjusting what we say on pulpit because of those who are just coming in. So the 12, we focus on them, train, 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 how to be led by the Spirit, get them filled with the Holy Ghost, all of that. And then we have a big day. And we ask those 12 to do the same thing we ask the four to do. And then you have about 200 and about 120, uh, 150 people show up. And then the 25% principle again, you have about 40 people remain. And then take those ones again, do the same process. And four months later, do another big day. So we have three big days in a year. Um, Easter service is a big day. Crossover, I'm not sure about um, Uganda, but in Nigeria, crossover service, people go to church. And then we have one special program called Agape Celebration. Each church organizes it in August. 
So every four months period, there's a big day. And then what you've been doing so far, you get people to invite people, and then the people that have been discipled usually will go out and invite. We don't try to disciple for too long. If you disciple them for up to 12 um, months, two years, they've lost all their sinner friends, all their... <laughs> so, but if you disciple for within four months, disciple them, they are still in touch with all their friends that are unchurched and unsaved, and they can invite them for meetings. That's what we do. Wow. So, what I've heard is a lot of creativity that we cannot bury our heads in the sand and say there are no resources. As long as you have vision and you have a leader, you can start. Would you help me appreciate these two men of God? Thank you. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.